Well, this is a unique day, isn't it? Uh, how many of you had trouble getting here today? Raise your hand if you had trouble getting here. Obviously not because you made it, huh? Some of you did a little bit. My text uh, started in phone and email just started lighting up early this morning. We're stuck on this freeway and I tried to get out, couldn't get out of the driveway. I couldn't get past this intersection and so, so many folks had to, had to um, go back home and it re- reminded me you know, Becky and I have been on staff here this spring will be 40 years, and in 40 years we've had a few Sundays that were like this or even smaller. And I remember certain ones that we, um, that we had maybe 30 people because it was so, so bad, the weather was so bad, we had the service either in that room across there or in the choir room. Anybody ever a part of a service like that here? A few of you were. And then I remember one time, uh, sorry, this flood of memories came back with this atmosphere today. But I remember one time that the electricity had gone out right at service time. Well, we rely upon electricity here for a few things that take place. And so uh, it was time to start the service, but we didn't go ahead and going to stop us, Pastor Brent. And so I literally, somebody found a megaphone, and I led worship with a megaphone in my hand. It was a lovely thing to behold, let me tell you. It was a great thing. But you know what? Nothing's going to stop us from worshiping Jesus, right? Whatever, whatever it takes. And we did that, and then, um, of course, lots of folks remember, and this date is indelibly etched on my mind, December 8th, uh, 2013 was probably the biggest storm that we'd had in the years that we've been here, and so that was the only day that I can remember in the last 40 years that we actually shut down and said there will be no service. And so early that morning, I got up and got dressed, and Becky said, well, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to church. She said, well, are you crazy? And I said, no. I said, just in case somebody comes, the pastor needs to be there. And so I said, one way or another, I'll take my time, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get there one way or another. She goes, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, if two or three show up, we'll sing a song. I can lead a song. I'll read a scripture. I can take an offering with three people. I can do that. And uh, we'll, we'll do something, but we're going to worship the Lord. As it ended up, not one person showed up. I sat here from 10 o'clock until noon, faithfully serving this congregation, I'll tell you. <laughs> How many of you are actual Texans? Raise your hand. If you are an actual te- okay. You're the reason why we have to stay off the roads. <clears throat> You're the reason. How many Yankees or Northerners do we have in the house? Okay. You know what I'm talking about. You know, when you've lived through Iowa storms, somebody said to me this morning, well, Becky won't surely drive in this. I said, are you kidding? Becky knows she's been in a ditch many, many, many times. With that. And, and, of course, her daddy had a tractor he could pull her, you know, pull that Camaro out of. But uh, she's not afraid of sliding off into a ditch. It's happened often. So, but the problem is when you get to Texas and you have this kind of weather, Texans don't know how to drive in this. Am I right, Yankees? They don't know how to drive. So your life is in much more danger in Texas in this weather than it is in other parts of the country. So anyway, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. Surely you'll get an extra star in your crown for coming on being faithful on this very special, special day. This is Family Worship Sunday, and so that means our kids are with us, and I think we would have combined everybody. And you know what I also found out? There weren't many folks who showed up for the Swahili service, and so some Swahili folks are with us this morning. Yes? Where's Josie? Hurry quick, Josie. Come on, quick, 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 quick. She's our, she's our uh, the gal who does all the translating for us around here. So uh, tell all the folks from uh, the Swahili, ask them to stand so we can welcome them. Oh, there they are. Come on, let's welcome them. And just this, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to let them know how much we love them, how much we are delighted to have them as part of Bethesda. Oh, there's Norbert, yes, Jeremiah, yes, wonderful, wonderful. Well, we love them. Come on, give them one more good hand. We're so glad they're here today. Thank you, Josie. Well, let me talk quickly about, uh, about Consecration Week. It starts tomorrow, 
And so we, a couple of years ago, three years ago, we began setting aside our first week of the year. I know lots of people do it, but we're setting aside our first unto the Lord. What a great thing to be able to, to declare to the heavens that before we do anything else, before we get involved in everything else, we are going to set aside this week and give ourselves to God and consecrate ourselves to the Lord. So what will happen? Some people will fast uh, all or part of the week or some meal during the week uh, or during each day of the week. So you may want to participate in a fast. Uh, many people do that. And let me just encourage you also, then, then start your Bible reading plan all over again. Maybe you're on a yearly reading plan for the Old Testament or the New Testament or the entire Bible. Get back into that discipline if you've slipped away from it at all. Get back in that discipline. Maybe you need to uh, be sure you get a devotional book, and there are lots of great ones out there. I have my personal favorites. You can go to any pastor on our staff, and they can recommend to you what they're reading or what they would encourage you to read or, or something that would be good for you. And usually those little devotional books there, you know, you can read them in just a couple of minutes or just a little tiny page is what they are, but just something to get you back in the discipline of devotional living in case that's slipped from you in any way. And then the special treat for us is that Pastor Des uh, recorded about a week or so ago uh, a daily devotional that will be on Facebook, on our Facebook page, uh, and also on our church website, right? It's on both. So every day this week, Monday through Saturday, you need to go on the Bethesda Facebook page and, and like that or whatever. He's the one who gets the most likes of anybody anytime we put his face on, on Facebook. And uh, so that's why I said, you're tapped for this year again. You're going to do it again. And he brings us some wonderful devotions as he kind of unpacks that Chronicles 7.14 passage for us. And he does a great, great, great job. So be sure you go every day this week, starting tomorrow and through Saturday, and uh, either either to the website or the Facebook page, and uh, see the devotion that Pastor Des has prepared for each of us. And then, I didn't design this or plan this this way, but every year, the last three, four years, the Lord has dropped a phrase in my heart, sometime in the year before, to be like a theme that sort of sits over us uh, for the year. I don't know that you remember the one for this past year, but it was higher heights and deeper depths. Higher heights and deeper depths. And there have been others. It was about May of this year that I was reading something and the Lord dropped a phrase into my heart. It's not an original phrase. But the minute that I saw it in my own personal devotion time, I thought, that's it. That's it. And the Lord literally just quickened it and alivened it in my heart and said, that is the theme for 2018. And it is this, abandoned to God. Say it with me abandoned to God. And that's going to be sort of the word that hangs over us for 2018. And uh, so, and I, and part of being abandoned to God is setting aside our first week. So I hope that you will join us for this week of consecration. Um, you got that chord there for me? I want you to sing this with me, church. You know us. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Come on, sing it with me. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now. Oh, bless my Savior. I come to. I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need Thee, oh bless me now, my Savior, I come to 
one more verse I want you to sing with me. It goes like this. I need thee every hour in joy or in pain. Come quickly and abide or life is vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, bless me now. I come to Thee. How many of you are like me and you've decided, I need the Lord today more than ever before? Yeah. Thank you, Brother Arthur. Well, as Brent said, today is the last day of 2017, and can you believe that you made it, huh? And the good news is that God has once again been faithful to us. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? But we stand on the threshold of another year. It's a year full of question marks because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen in this world. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. I don't know what's going to happen in mine. So we have our question marks. But it is a year full of hope and promise. It is a year full of hope and promise, for we have the assurance of God's Word that He is going to be with us, hallelujah, because He is still Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, when I just think, I just took a moment in my preparation for this morning thinking about the promises of God and some of my own personal favorites. We have the promise from Deuteronomy that as our days, so shall our strength be. On those days, you don't think you've got enough strength to get up and, and, and that you don't feel like you've got what is needed to be at the task at hand. You have the promise of God. As your days, so shall your strength be. I have another favorite from Proverbs 4. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. And you know what I think that means for us? That your tomorrow is going to be better than your yesterday was. Somebody give the Lord praise for that this morning. We are full of promises. And the one thing we know for sure is that we serve a God who is going to be faithful to us. When you wake up every morning of 2018, His mercies are going to be new. He has been our helper, and He will be our helper for 2018, for our help comes from the Lord. Oh, and by the way, in case you have any questions about that, our help comes from the Lord. He's just the one who made the heavens and the earth. He's the one who created the planets and hung them on nothing. So you think you have any weakness in where your help's coming from? No, your help comes from the Lord, and He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. Speaking of Him being our help, I was in Home Depot one day this week, blessed store, I love it. My phone rings, and it was my sister. I have the one sibling, she's uh, about six years older than I am, and she's married and has all these years and has one daughter. And so my sister called me. It was a couple of days after Christmas, and, and um, we didn't talk on Christmas Day. And she basically was just, you know, saying, you know, I, I knew you were busy with your family, and I was busy with mine. And, but I just wanted to see, my brother, how you're, how, how's your Christmas go? Well, it was great. Well, tell me about your kids. Well, I told her about my kids. I said, so tell me, sis, about your family. And she said, um, she said well, Dan, you know, I've just got to tell you this. And I could tell she was tearing up and getting weepy. And she said, uh, so I tried to find an aisle where nobody was making noise and the, the truck wasn't back, backing up going beep, 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 so I could hear, you know. And I said, tell me about your, she, says, she said, Dan, I just have to tell you this. I sat around the night we were exchanging gifts and a tear ran down my face as I saw the mercy of God upon our family. Because it's not been too many years ago, and some of you will remember, her only child, uh, my little niece, had really was in the grips of a terrible, terrible addiction to alcohol. It was tough. She was in our Teen Challenge program for just a short period of time. 
And she said, Dan, I, I sat there and I looked to see where we are today because my little niece has been completely sober for about seven or eight years now. Thanks be to God. But let me just tell you this, and here's what she said that really struck me and would cause me to want to share it with you this morning. <clears throat> she said, you know, we went through so many dark days. And oh, my goodness. Let me just tell you, the situation, it got bad. It got really bad. My sister and brother-in-law are very, have a have a high profile of, in the business community there in, in the city where they live. They've had a strong business there for a long time. They were hoping that their only child would be the one to take over the company. And when, this, uh, when we were in these years of very difficult time with her, when everything was going bad and the news was bad, every time I would call my sister, I would have to brace myself. It's, it's going to be more bad news. It's not going to be good. And it was desperate. It was hopeless. They said, we've tried everything, we've done everything, we've exhausted resources, we've done everything we know to do. And so it would get, you know, it would get to that point, and, uh, and every time we would talk, and, she, and then, but somehow, I, I, she, they had reached the point they had to write their daughter out of the business plan because there's no way she could be responsible enough to run the business that they had built over so many decades that had been handed to him, to them by, um, by her husband's, my sister's husband's father. But you know what? I just want you to know this. If, and the reason I tell you this today is that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the what? And I know that when you hear a testimony, whether it's on Sunday night or wherever, it's oftentimes you can come and go, well, that's good for them, but you know, but what about me? That's not my story. Here's the part I want to tell you today. We went through years and years and years of nothing but bad news, nothing but a hopeless situation. Every time we talked, it was awful and getting worse, terribly embarrassing situations that took place. But God, in his sovereign mercy, reached down and touched my little niece, and today she's healthy. And my sister said, I sat around at Christmas time, and she goes, Dan, a tear rolled down my cheek because I remembered the days. It looked like no help was coming to us. It looked like for our family, well, we were going to be the exception. We weren't, there was no help coming our way. But she said, I stand here today so thankful that our daughter today is the president of our company. It is thriving. It is doing well. It is doing incredibly well. It is moving on. And I can't believe at the mercy of God to our family. So why do I tell you that? So some of you are still in the dark days. Some of you are still in a situation where you don't know if help is coming. I'm here to tell you today as you stand on the threshold of 2018 that God is our ever-present help in the time of trouble. And help is on the way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So lift up your head and why so downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Because he's able, he's able. Somebody give me an amen to that today. I know that many of us have a life verse or maybe several life verses that are favorites or standouts to us from Scripture, maybe something you memorize, something that ministered to you in a particular way at a particular time. And the short passage I'm going to bring focus to this morning as we bring this year to a close and look forward to the new year, it, it's a favorite of mine and I'm sure, in fact I know for many of you it's a favorite for you as well. These two short verses I'm presenting to you this morning are for me the genesis of our theme for 2018 that I just mentioned, which is abandoned to God. It's like it's the starting point for me as we move into that theme. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. You probably already know where I'm going. We know these two verses so very well. I'm going to be simple with it this morning as we look at the three components and then give emphasis to the final part. These two verses in Proverbs chapter 3 are without a doubt the best known, the most loved, and the most memorized verses in the book of Proverbs. It's this, Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, I read from the New American Standard. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. Part one, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Part two, don't lean on your own understanding. Part three, in all of your ways, 
acknowledge him. And here is the result of those three components. He will make your paths straight. The promise is straight paths. How many of you along with me this morning want to go into 2018 with the promise that God is going to make your path straight? Let me see your hand if that's true for you today. Any Jew who would have read this passage from from Proverbs and seeing the promise of God for straight paths would have been immediately reminded of the wilderness journey of the children of Israel, which was not straight, as you know. In fact, if you look in the back of your Bible at the map of the wilderness journey for the children of Israel, you'll certainly see that the line was very crooked. It was not straight. It was going all, it's going all over the place. Do you know how long the journey was from Egypt to the promised land? Uh, that, that Bible in the back of, of your, that map in the back of your Bible should indicate that it was 240 miles. It was supposed to take 11 days on foot, and 11 days turned into 40 years. How frustrating that must have been, trying to get somewhere but stall and wandering aimlessly. Stall on the freeway like many of our folks are this morning, right now as we speak. Anybody here like me speaking of freeways, are you the kind like I am that when you're driving on the freeways, you just want to keep the car moving? Sitting still just drives you crazy. You've got to keep the car moving. If the freeway is stalled and everyone's come to a screeching halt, you'll take an exit, you'll you'll get on the shoulder, you'll do something just to keep the car moving. Am I the only one? Is anybody else in the house that that's true of? A few of you, okay? Even if it means that your, your route ultimately is a zigzag and not straight, you, you'll go out of your way, whatever you've got to do, just to not have to stay still. Some of you watched the news this week about that flight that left Los Angeles, headed for Tokyo. They got four hours into the flight, and somehow somebody discovered that someone was on the flight who was not supposed to be. Four hours into the flight, they turned that plane around brought it back to Los Angeles to disembark that person. I would say take him on to Tokyo. Let him swim back as far as I know. <laughs> Whatever he's got to do. So what struck me is, is I'm, I'm looking about, talking about straight paths and preparing a message for you on straight paths, and I happened to see that something, I guess, on the Internet, and it showed the flight path, and it was anything but straight. It was over here, a little turnaround, and a zigzag back, and then back and forth. That would not be a straight path. But I think they finally made it to Tokyo. Well, the children of Israel, after 40 years of wandering in the desert with anything but straight paths, they finally arrived. What should have taken 11 days took them 40 years. And I don't know about you as you face this new year, but I want to get to the place where God has designed for me just as quickly as I can get there. Anybody with me this morning? I don't really want to take detours. I don't want to take exits. I don't want to go in a direction that doesn't point me toward the destination. I don't want to say yes to things that I'm not supposed to, though I'm very guilty of that. I want to go into 2018 asking God for straight paths. Can I get an amen today? So geometry teaches us this, that the shortest distance between two points is it's a straight line. And Solomon in this passage gives us three clear suppositions on how to get to your destination in God by way of a straight path. And I invite you to join me in asking God for straight paths for your life for 2018. Three components. Here's number one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say it with me. English pastor and commentator Charles Bridges said this. And I find it very interesting. The heart is the first thing that wanders from God. But it's also the first that returns. The heart is the first thing that wanders from God. But it's the first that returns. And that's why Solomon tells us first to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do you know why you can trust God, church, this morning? Do you know why you can trust God? It's because he is trustworthy. Solomon is telling us not to focus our trust in the law of God, but rather in the God of the law. Why? Because of who he is. And who he is is trustworthy. God always tells the truth. God cannot lie. According to Titus 1 and Hebrews 6, God can, it's impossible for him to tell a lie. 
And that's why truth, absolute truth, exists, because God always tells the truth. If God was ever changing or God ever changed his mind or ever told a lie, there would be no absolute truth. But God always speaks the truth, and you can trust him because he is trustworthy. Say that name with me. And Do you know why he's trustworthy? Very thing that Pastor Brent said to us this morning, because he is faithful. He is faithful. Do you know what faithful is? Faithful, if it's said of you, you're faithful, it means you are consistent in what you do. When it is said of you that you are a faithful husband or a faithful wife, it doesn't mean that you said no to temptation once or twice. It means that you said it all the time. It means there is a track record with you. Faithfulness means having a track record of consistency. That's what faithful means. And of God, it means this, that since he cannot lie, he is faithful and we can always depend upon him. When our kids were little, just like when you were raising your kids, they were, uh, they were learning to swim. They would reach the point where they would want to stand on the side of the pool and daddy would be in the pool and they would want to jump in, uh, jump in and so that daddy would catch them, jump into my arms. And if I let them go, they would sink, obviously. I remember asking our daughter Sheridan one time, you know, why do you just jump? Why aren't you afraid to jump? If you know her, she's not really afraid of much of anything, but why aren't you afraid to jump? And I will never forget her telling me this, because, Daddy, I know you will catch me every time. Listen to me, church. We have a God who will catch us every time because he is trustworthy. That means that no matter what happens to you in this year, he will be there. He has always been there. He is always faithful. And let me just prove my point to you this morning. Did you make it here this morning? Did you make it through 2017? You've got just a few hours left. Are you breathing this morning? Is your heart beating in your chest? Then every person in this room has to say, my God is faithful. Because he's helped you to make it. And I didn't ask you if your path was easy. Most of us would say, no, it wasn't. But what I ask you is, did you make it? And you know why you made it, church? It's because he caught you again. That's why you made it. When you thought you couldn't take one more step, when you thought you were surely going to fall flat on your face, when you thought everything was going to fall apart. But hallelujah, you are here this morning and you're still in the game. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, yeah. But God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Some of you made it through a hurricane. You came up from South Texas. Some of you did survive the tragic loss of a loved one. Some of you faced financial difficulties that you never dreamed in your life would be possible. But you are here this morning, and it can be said of you, I made it. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a clap of praise. You made it because of his faithfulness. You made it because of a God who's trustworthy and who is faithful. And every morning, as you look back over this year, every morning of 2017, his mercies were new to you, and he's faithful. And he has kept you one more time through one more year, and the same God who kept you through 2017 is the God who will see you through 2018. That's why we can trust the Lord with all of our hearts. But you got to understand this. Trusting does not come from the head. It comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the head. It comes from the heart. Trust is not the result of reasoning. Trust is it's the result of believing. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Trust is it's an all-or-nothing proposal. Partial trust is not trust at all. Well, I trust God with this part of my life and that, and I'll trust him with it. No, i I got to keep control over that. You know what? That's not trust at all. Either God is trustworthy or he is not. 
If God cannot be trusted with all, he cannot be trusted at all. And I want to be vulnerable with you enough this morning to share something that I know I have said to many of you privately and I may have expressed it publicly before. My own reality about this thing called trust and trusting the Lord. This is just the way it is for me. Do I, have I trusted the Lord as a child for my salvation? Yes. Is that stuck? Yes. But when it comes to the experiences of life and the life journey and trusting the Lord with life journey, here's what I find I have to do. I have to return to that place of trust. With each new situation, Lord, I, I trusted you for what you did back here. I trusted you, and boy, you were faithful. You got me through that. And that's why it is important. That's why our testimony is important. It's why I shared with you what I did this morning and about my own family and my, my sister and my niece to be reminded of what God has done in the past because that builds my faith to believe that this new mountain I'm facing, this new set of circumstances, which is bigger than anyone I've faced before in the past, God can be trusted for that as well. For me, I can't read Proverbs 3, 5 just one time and go, I got it. I can't do that. I have to read it and I have to come back to it again and again and again and again because I face a new situation in my life journey. But every time that I do, every time that I have, God has proven again that he's trustworthy and he's worthy to be trusted because he's faithful. How do you make your path straight? You don't, but God does when you trust the Lord with all of your heart. You can be confident that he is trustworthy. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, and lean not to your own understanding. This is a hard part. In fact, I, I thought this message should be titled Hard, Harder, and Hardest. None of it's easy. None of it just comes naturally to us. This is a hard part. Lean not to your own understanding. To lean, sha'an is the Hebrew word, Hebrew word S-H-A apostrophe A-N, sha'an. To lean is to put all of your weight on something. I'm leaning on this pulpit, putting my weight on this pulpit. Next to Jesus, the wisest man who ever walked this planet we know is Solomon. The Bible tells us that Solomon, the wisest man, said there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. So what was Solomon saying to us? Keep in mind, he's the smartest man who ever lived. And he's saying essentially, even though I'm the wisest man on the planet, I'm wise enough to know that I don't have all the answers. And here's what we know Satan is very capable of doing. Do you know that one of the typical tactics for for, of Satan, and I see it happen all the time, you've seen it too, is that he wants to isolate you. And he wants to cause you to have so much pride that you believe your own press clippings, that you believe your own thoughts, you believe what you think. And because we have a natural proclivity, all of us, toward being right, our judgments are right, our perspective is right, our, our viewpoint on this is right. We want to believe, there's a natural inclination to believe we are right. We start believing that our thoughts are it. That's the sum and total of it all. And yet the wisest man in the world said, I don't even trust myself. I can't trust my opinion on everything. And when you read the life of Solomon, and you know that when he did trust himself, he ended up with 1,100 wives, you understand that might not have been very smart, right? You understand why he'd say, I can't trust myself. One wife is fabulous. 1,100, that's a problem, okay? Satan loves to seclude you. He loves it when you start counseling yourself. He loves it when you are the primary and only one that you will listen to. Who do you have in your life that you will listen to? He, it's, if you have no one in your life who has the right to speak something directly to you, even particularly if it's uncomfortable, you have allowed him to isolate you. And it's a very dangerous and unhealthy situation for you. He loves it when he can get you to believe that your limited perspective, and that's what we all have, your limited perspective, one-dimensional perspective on the issue is the only one that there is. 
And Solomon, through this well-known verse to us, is saying that the one who leans not is the one who doesn't trust himself as the only and final authority. The one who leans not is the one who knows how and when to get wise counsel. Lean not on your own understanding, he tells us. Have sense enough to know that your perspective alone is not sufficient. You need godly counsel. And lean not on your own understanding. And you know what? That takes humility. It takes humility. Did you know that humility, as we are told in the Bible, is one of those things that is in your hands? You have a choice about humility. The Bible says, humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Trust in the Lord because He is trustworthy. But don't trust yourself always because it's hard to listen, it's hard to say it. We're not always trustworthy. Why would I say that? Because human understanding is darkened by our sin nature, our spiritual blindness, and the hardness of our hearts that we can be prone to. Ephesians 4.18 Speaking of Gentiles, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. As I told you at the beginning, the quote I gave you, the heart is the first thing to wander from God. And the minute we've allowed ourselves in any way to be less than abandoned to God, Our hearts are prone to wander, and then hardness of heart, cynicism can set in. Being cynical about other people and other situations, we think we know best. Being condescending about it, hardness of heart and spiritual darkness can come in. That's why we are blinded by those, but rather trust God because He always tells the truth and be very careful when you're trusting only yourself. Lean not on your own understanding. And here's where it gets tricky. God may be telling you or asking you to do something uh, and and you respond with uh, uh, questioning about it. God, why would you? Boy, that seems odd. It's just so random that you would ask that of me. I I don't, God, God, I I, I don't understand. I I don't see the end. What What good would that bring? Why would that be of any value? What's that going to do for the kingdom? God, I just don't understand. Just because you don't understand God's direction in your life does not mean that you should not take a step of obedience. Hello? Are you frozen out there this morning? Just because you don't understand Why God would ask that of you? Just because you don't see all the way to the end, because you can't rationalize it in your mind, you can't see the worth and the value and the the end result of it, does not absolve you of the responsibility of obedience to the voice of the Lord to you. Maybe you've had that impulse that you should do a certain thing. Oh, it just seemed crazy. Wow. Or even irrational. Maybe God told you to give a certain amount of money to someone or to whatever, or to take food to someone that you didn't even know. They're going to think I'm nuts if I do that. Here's the situation. Sometimes God says, I'm asking you to do this. This is the part I'm asking you to do. But our response is, But what happened before that? You need to tell me how we got to this point and what's going to happen after that. If I do that, why? Why do you need me to do that? And going on, can I just say this? Maybe God told you to take food to someone and you got there and they weren't even there. Or they moved. And you go, well, I guess I didn't hear God. Not necessarily. Here's what I have to ask you this morning. Do you have to know the ending of every story to obey God? In order for you to be obedient to God, do you have to know the end? Do you have to understand the whole thing from beginning to end to obey God? 
Because here's what we must understand, those of us who want to be abandoned to God. Sometimes the story doesn't end with you. But every story should end, all glory goes to Jesus. So let's make a commitment that in this year of 2018, we're going to trust the Lord with all of our hearts. We're going to lean not on our own understanding. And why wouldn't we lean on the Lord? My goodness. Why wouldn't we? Romans tells us, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For Who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Lean not on your own understanding. And finally, number three. In all my ways, God, I'm going to acknowledge you. Say acknowledge you. Say it. I told you, hard, harder, hardest. Acknowledge is a tough word. I think it's a misunderstood word. I think we have, in our culture and the way we have used it, our language, we have minimized what the word means, acknowledge. Sometimes we'll, those of us on the platform may see someone in a service, uh, um, maybe a dignitary or a, a pastor or someone that holds a certain status within the denomination, and we want to acknowledge them, and, and we will do that. Uh, and so we tend to think that to acknowledge someone is to look at them and let everyone know they're here, and we give them a nice clap and give them a nice nod, and, and that's it. But that's not what Solomon means by the word acknowledge. I did my homework on this. There's something more to that word. The word acknowledge that Solomon uses here is not just a, uh, the way we think of it as a tip of the hat, a, a curtsy to uh, royalty maybe or to a dignitary of some kind. But in fact, it is a word that is very close to the word marriage and intimacy. It is a word between a husband and a wife. It is intimacy between them. Our trust in God grows as we learn more and more and more and more about Him. In fact, I would say this. If you're struggling today with trusting in the Lord, learn more about Jesus. Our trust grows as we learn more and more about Him. The more we know God, the closer we draw to Him, and it is easier to commit our way to Him. Trusting God cannot be separated from intimacy with God. Trusting God cannot be separated from intimacy with God. There is very little in our marriage that either Becky or I do individually without checking with one another. It's because I'm afraid of her. <clears throat> no. We manage our finances together. I know what she spends. She knows what I spend. Our system is just set up that way. By the way, she spends a whole lot more than I do. But then she looks a whole lot better than I do, too. No amens, please, to that. But stuff about the house, stuff about the kids, any plans for trips, which aren't very many these days, but we're, we do that together. We check with each other. I'm going to tell you this. I would be a fool, a, an utter fool, not to have her input in our life management. We do it together. I recommend that for any marriage. You do it together. Now, it may not look this way to you because she gets to walk in here and just look pretty on the front row, but both of our kids would tell you that their mother is the most driven person in our household. I know you think differently that because I'm the visible one, and so that ought to make you feel sorry for our kids between me and Becky both. But So when it comes to the management of our lives, because she's good at what she does, I acknowledge Becky. I'm trying to get you to see this word acknowledge that we're taking from this sixth verse of chapter 3 of Proverbs in a different way and for what it really means. When it comes to life management of our lives, I acknowledge Becky. Now, occasionally I have to push her just a little bit, 
I'll admit that. She's never going to be excited about some new piece of technology. Um, I have to drag her into the Apple store when we go. And by the same token, I'm not all that taken away with the latest and greatest in makeup and cosmetics. And she has to drag me into that store whenever she goes there. But when it comes to the true life management uh, issues, we acknowledge each other. Now, she may correct me this afternoon on what I'm about to tell you, but as I was thinking about it, I don't recall any major decision in our 43 years that we have made, a major decision, that we were not eventually in full agreement. Maybe one was leading more than the other, but we would not have made the decision had we not been in full agreement. And Solomon is saying to us through these verses, have you checked lately with the groom about what you plan to do? Are you truly acknowledging the Lord in all of your ways? When was the, fasten your seatbelt, when was the last time you asked Jesus before you inserted that card with a little chip on it into the device at the store and hundreds of dollars immediately left your account? Or before you clicked on buy it now? I'm going to let that just soak in for just a second because I can feel the love in the room. But aren't we more guilty at best maybe of just informing God of what we plan to do or what, what we want to do and asking him to bless it? Can I just say it plainly to you today? If that's your pattern, doing what you want to do and then just informing God, asking him to bless, that is not acknowledging him in all of your ways. Are you having fun this morning? Sometimes we say, Father, this is what I'm going to do with what you've given me. Oh, I thank you for how you have given me this and this resource and here's what I'm going to do with it. So I'm asking you to bless it in Jesus' name, amen. And the Spirit of God might say to you, no, what I want you to do is to give it over here instead. To which you might reply, I didn't ask you that. I was just telling you what I was going to do. Let you know my plan. And the Lord would say, well, that is not acknowledging me. If I'm the groom, then you need to check with me before you do it. Do you know what acknowledging the Lord does? It defeats this Christian atheism that thinks we can do whatever we want without involving God in our decisions. Christian atheism. Acknowledging God obliterates that in your life. And all too many of us live like Christian atheists, just doing what we want and then having the audacity to ask God to bless it. And then we're just totally baffled when the whole thing blows up, when we never asked God in the first place. Some of you ladies might say, well, if that man asked me out, then it has to be Jesus because I haven't been asked out in a long time. Not necessarily, dear one. What Solomon is saying is this. When have you truly acknowledged God on a decision? When have you acknowledged God on a purchase? When have you said to the Lord, as senior partner in this relationship, I give you veto rights. You can veto what I'm about to do here. God, I'm acknowledging the fact that you know better than I do because in all my ways, in all my ways, I want to acknowledge you. And God is simply standing there saying, ask me. Just talk to me. Let's just be in conversation. Remember the verse in James 1.5 that says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him, let him ask. Ask God, and he will give it to you. And then the King James Version throws in this little phrase that most of us skip over. And it says, he, you ask and he gives, and he upbraideth not. Upbraideth? What on earth does that mean? It means there are no stupid questions with God. It means that you never have to worry about asking God something and having him say to you, oh, you should know better than that by now. You're asking me that? Really? Didn't we cover that a long time? No. That's upbraideth not. means God will never do that. He says, he says, I will never criticize you when you come to me asking me for wisdom. It will always be okay that you ask, and I will always answer. Our problem is we so rarely ask. I bet each one of us would be astonished to realize 
All the decisions that we make in the course of a day, starting with me, all the decisions we make in the course of a day where we did not acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. Church, we've got to come back to the simple place as we knock on the door of 2018 where we say, God, I'm going to trust you with all of my heart. I am not going to lean on my own understanding. and In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. Help me, God, this year to develop the discipline, the habit, the pattern of simply saying, Lord, what do you think? Lord, how would you do it? What is it that you want? Honestly, friend, what's to keep us today from having an open, honest conversation with God? God, this is where I'm really at. This is what's really going on. Father, I'm, I'm kind of scared about these circumstances. I'm scared of going into 2018. I'm scared of the commitments being asked of me. I'm being asked to do this. I'm being asked to transfer. What is it that you want? I can tell you this. This is what God is asking of you for 2018. Number one, trust in the Lord with all of your heart because he is trustworthy. Number two, don't lean on your own understanding because you're not trustworthy, just like I'm not trustworthy. Number three, acknowledge God in everything with the assurance that he will never, ever, ever say to you, well, that was a dumb question. He's not going to do it because I'm your father and I want to make straight paths for you. And then these three, trusting him, leaning wholly on him, knowing him intimately, those are the mechanics of a life that is abandoned to God, a life that is totally committed to him. It is the core, it is the genesis of being abandoned to God. If we live such a life, we are assured of this promise. He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. Come on, Brent, let's stand. Let's sing. Come on, church, let's stand together. I've approached the noon hour. I was going to talk about what it is to have a straight path, but we'll do that at some other time. How many of you are going to say by lifted hand today, I'm asking God for straight paths for the 2018? Come on, let me see your hand. How many of you want to be exactly where God has wants you to be? You're going to be listening to the voice that he has for you, that he's speaking to you. You want to do exactly what he says. You want to walk in obedience to him, even on the things that don't make sense to you. You're ready to do that. Come on, lift your hand if you're ready. And then as you do that, just say, Lord, I want to be wholly yours this year. Come on, do it right now. With your mouth, speak it out. God, I want to be wholly yours this year. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you've seen us through the past, knowing that you're going to see us through the future, Lord, as we go into this new year. Whatever it brings, Lord, we're in your hands. We are safely in you.